Lord, as we consider your word today, help us to gain an even deeper appreciation of what it means to be set free for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Please be seated. Five hundred years ago, on October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther posted his 95 theses on the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. Now that may seem like a rather strange thing to do from our point of view today. Who would nail something to a church door? But in fact, in that day and age, in that context, it was not out of the ordinary at all to post something on the church door. The church door served as something like a bulletin board, and particularly in Wittenberg, where the University of Wittenberg was not far from that church, things would be posted on the church doors for the scholars to read, discuss, debate, and dialogue. It was a common thing. So Luther was just doing the common practice of putting something on the doors that he wanted people to discuss. But he chose a rather significant day to do it. He chose the day before All Saints Day, November 1st. The day before, the day in which the bells of the church would ring to remember those who had died in the faith. It was significant because... Martin Luther's 95 Theses were writing in opposition to the sale of indulgences which promised to get people out of this supposed purgatory, a place between heaven and hell as it was taught and believed. And people's minds would, be in, would have been about their, set about their uh, uh, past deceased relatives. And Martin Luther posts his Theses the day before. His action would be the spark that would ignite the Reformation movement going forward. This next photo is what the castle church looks like today in Wittenberg. The door on which he placed his 95 theses is a, is a reconstruction door. By the way, just so you're aware, over in the fellowship hall in our Reformation Fest today, we have a replica of the Wittenberg door up so that all of us can post our own statements of what we believe about God or our Christian faith. I hope you'll come over and do that. But the original wooden door has long been replaced by this bronze door. And Martin Luther's 95 theses are engraved into that bronze door in Latin. But the question is, why did he even do this? Why did he write these 95 statements or theses? Here's what was going on. The Dominican friar named John Tetzel had been authorized by Pope Leo X to sell to the general population what was called a plenary indulgence. A plenary indulgence under the blessing of the Pope granted the power upon the purchase of this indulgence to release people from purgatory 
or to relieve them of the punishments that they were due to pay out in purgatory. It would negate all of those punishments in purgatory, not only for yourself, but for your deceased relatives, so it was said. This is what a letter of indulgence looked like. This is found in the Luther House in Wittenberg. It was the monastery in Wittenberg, which later was given to Martin Luther as a house and now is the largest Lutheran Reformation Museum in the world. But this is what a letter of indulgence looked like written in Latin. The next picture is a photo of some medieval German coins because as John Tetzel would come through uh, the villages of Saxony selling these indulgences, the people would readily give their money to purchase one because they wanted to have some assurance about the life after this life. And so they would take their coins and they would drop their coins into a coin box or a coffer like this one. John Tetzel had a little jingle that he would sing as he would go village to village, and it went like this. When the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. And that sounded like a pretty good deal to people. And so they paid their money big time to buy these indulgences. What they probably were not aware of is that half of the proceeds from the sale of these indulgences went to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, and even less well known is that the other half of the money went to help Archbishop Albrecht pay off his debts that he owed to the Pope, which were significant. Well, here's Martin Luther, a professor of theology in Wittenberg by this time, studying the Bible in its original languages and hearing about his own parishioners of the church that he served as a parish priest in Wittenberg buying these indulgences in order to assure them of their life after this life, and it troubled him. It troubled him that they would find their hope in buying a piece of paper, and he knew something wasn't right about this, and he decided to do something about it. Based on his study of Scripture, he wrote these 95 statements in opposition to the practice of selling these indulgences, and he posted them on the church door for discussion. Now, in his naivete, he thought that once the Pope found out about this practice that was not at all supported by the Scripture, certainly the Pope would take action and would bring some corrective measure to this and bring this whole practice of selling indulgences to an end. Little did Luther know the Pope was behind it all. The next photo shows a printed copy of Luther's theses in Latin. By this time, keep in mind, Martin Luther was a professor of theology. He was also a parish priest, and that meant that he had to study the Bible in, their, in its original languages of Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek in the New Testament, first of all, in order to prepare his lectures for his theology classes for his students. Secondly, he had to study the Bible in order to prepare sermons for Sundays as a parish priest. 
And the deeper he got into the Word, the more he realized that the truth was being suppressed by all of these wrong ideas. And Martin Luther wanted the truth to be set free. You know, I think it's a basic principle in life that the truth wants to come out. Even when it's held down, the truth wants to come out. I don't know if you heard about this story in the news. It was in the Los Angeles Times a few months ago. A story about a police lineup in Los Angeles. There was a row of criminals lined up, and the officials were seeking to know which one of these men had committed armed robbery. So there they are all standing with numbers on their chest, and the witnesses are looking through a smoke glass window, and each of these men was asked to say this line. They were asked to say, give me your money or I'll shoot. And one of the men responded, that's not what I said. The truth wants to come out. (laughs) It wants to come out. And Luther wanted the truth to not only come out, but to be set free. But it wasn't only the truth that needed to be set free. It was people that needed to be set free, including Martin Luther himself in his early years. Let's rewind the story just a little bit from the 95 Theses back to the earlier days of Martin Luther. Luther grew up up with a fear of God, even a hatred of God, because his image of God was of this harsh, threatening judge who was ready to send him to hell. Luther knew his own sinfulness all too well, and He was afraid of God. And in his younger years, in a desperate effort to find freedom and peace, young Martin Luther entered a very strict Augustinian monastery in Erfurt, Germany. This is a picture of of how it looks today. Today, it is a Lutheran center. In fact, it became a Lutheran church and Lutheran center as early as 1525. But when Luther went there, it was a very strict monastery. And while he was there, he tried everything he could think of to find peace. For example, he would spend six hours straight in the confessional, trying to make sure that he would unload, confess every single one of his sins to his father confessor, John Staupitz. He would practice self-flagellation where he would beat himself thinking doing that would rid himself of his sins and draw himself closer to God. He practiced self-deprivation thinking somehow that would make him more right with God. But all of it failed. It's kind of like Martin Luther felt he was trapped behind four walls. And the four walls were these. Is God holy and just? Yes. Must God punish sin? Yes. That's wall number two. 
Am I a sinner? Yes. Therefore, must I be sent to hell? Yes. You see, he felt he was trapped in these four walls and there was no way out. He knew he was a sinner. He knew God was holy and just. And God must punish sin and therefore he must go to hell. And he was terrified. How do you get out of that kind of a trap? He tried everything. And finally, his father, confessor, John Staupitz, did a very wise thing. He sent Martin Luther to the town of Wittenberg in order to go to the University of Wittenberg as a professor of theology, knowing that as a professor of theology and a parish priest, he would have to get into studying the Bible. And not the translation of the Bible in Latin only, but the original languages of Hebrew and Greek. And it was as he studied the Bible, things began to become more clear. He lived in the monastery in Wittenberg, which, by the way, is a building that would later be given to him as his house. And at that particular building, Martin Luther had a study up on the second floor, just off the stairwell tower That tower in the middle there is a spiral staircase. We walked up that in June when we were there. His office or his study was on the second floor just off of that tower. And one day he was in his study and he was wrestling with some words from the Bible. And it's as he was reading the book of Romans that he had what he would later call his, in German, Turm Erlebnis, his tower experience. You see, up until this time, Luther was wrestling with a certain phrase that he kept reading in various places in the Bible, including Psalm 32, and the phrase was the righteousness of God. In his mind, that phrase was referring to the righteous, harsh judgment of God upon the sinner. When he saw or heard the phrase, the righteousness of God, that's what he thought of. God who must punish the sinner, for God is holy and righteous. Then he was reading Romans. And particularly, he was reading two verses from Romans chapter 1, the first two verses of our epistle lesson for today. And these words set him free. These words changed his life. He read from St. Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And it was verse 17 that particularly changed his life where Paul says, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Up until this time, he thought the righteousness of God was all about threat of punishment. But he came to understand by the working of the Holy Spirit through these words of St. Paul that the righteousness of God is referring to the perfection of Jesus that is given to the believer in Jesus as a free gift through faith. 
that when we trust in Jesus as our Savior, the perfect record of Jesus is credited to our account, if you will. We are wrapped in the perfection of Jesus so that when God the Father sees us, He no longer sees a condemned sinner. He sees the perfection of His Son enveloping us, and He says, welcome, welcome, my child. And through these words of St. Paul, the Holy Spirit was shining the light into Luther's dark inner prison, and the light of truth set him free. Luther describes his experience this way. He said, At last, meditating day and night by the mercy of God, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that through which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by faith. Here I felt as if I were entirely born again and had entered paradise itself through the gates that had been flung open. Wow, what a marvelous experience. Martin Luther really was experiencing what Jesus himself was speaking of in today's gospel lesson from John chapter 8. It says in the opening verses of John 8, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And Friends, I dare say that the message of truth is needed today more than ever. It is a very popular postmodern idea that is widely perpetuated today, especially in our secular universities, that there is no absolute truth, no truth. At the very best, there's relative truth. You have your truth, I have mine. Keep yours to yourself, I'll keep mine to myself. But there's no absolute truth that pertains to us all. That's what's taught. But you know, the reality is that human nature doesn't change. That all people, in reality, are actually enslaved to sin. And that there is one truth that can set people free. And that truth is found in Jesus Christ. And He desires that all people be set free. In the Gospel's lesson, Jesus goes on to say, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, I want to make a bold statement here on Reformation Sunday. Reformation is really not about Martin Luther. Reformation is really all about Jesus, the Savior. Martin Luther might even be a little bit embarrassed by how much fuss we make about him on these Reformation celebrations because for him it was all about Jesus Christ. And at the heart of the Reformation message is the message of Christ crucified and risen. It's all about him who stretched out his arms on a cross and died in your place and mine and says, this is how much I love you. It's all about knowing for certain that because Jesus died in our place, our sins have been wiped away. 
It's all about the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, guaranteeing our salvation, making sure that we know that because He rose from the dead, we too will rise from the dead on the last day and be given glorified heavenly bodies that we will take into heaven and live with Christ forever in these glorified bodies. That is our Christian hope, and that is the central message of the Reformation. You know, the, the sad fact is that good news message was hidden for centuries. It was buried under man-made rules and wrong teachings. And so what we celebrate today, friends, is that through the Reformation, the gospel message was uncovered and revealed. And as a result, what matters most is that people are being set free. The three banner phrases that arose from the Reformation were these. First of all, grace alone. That is only by the unconditional love and grace of God that we are saved. He acted on our behalf by giving His Son, Jesus. It was an act of grace. We don't earn heaven by our good deeds. It's all a gift of grace. Secondly, faith alone. That it is through trusting in Jesus Christ alone as our Savior that we have the assurance that when we die, we go straight to heaven because of what He has done for us. And then thirdly, the Scripture alone or the Word alone, that all of this has its solid foundation in the Scriptures in which God has given us the promises about eternal life. Grace alone, faith alone, Scripture alone, those are the things that matter. So I guess on this Reformation Sunday, I really want to just ask you very one, one very simple question. In what ways, perhaps, are you feeling imprisoned by sin? Maybe it's a regret from something you did in the past. Maybe it's a habit that you just can't seem to shake, that you know is contrary to the will of God. Maybe it's something that has just been troubling your conscience, maybe even for years. Are you feeling like there are four walls around you with no way out? If that is the case, friends, then the message of the Reformation is for you. And the message of the Reformation is this. In Jesus Christ, you are set free. That means you are set free to live in peace and joy knowing that your sins were nailed to the cross and never to be brought up again. You are set free to live your lives to the glory and honor of God, not out of compulsion, but out of gratitude and thanks for all that He has done first for you. And finally, you are set free to live out a mission and a purpose in your life, chief of which is this, to help set other people free as well. Reformation. It's all about Jesus, in whom we are set free. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.